We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn buzz and a bit of a heartbreaker to recap with this one. The Brooklyn Nets go down 127 to 129 against the Atlanta Hawks. A crazy final period, lead changes, ice tray, or travel tray, maybe call him. You're clinching the game with a questionable floating whatever sort of shot. I, I think the officiating was poor to say the least it was inconsistent i think spencer dinwiddie's tech for that dunk and a bit of a stare down was questionable but again maybe i'm coming with a little bit of bias but in saying that guys the the final period let's just sort of recap that last sort of three minutes or so let me just quickly get my notes out so it's 117 left and the nets are down by eight so to come back to nearly when it is is a hell of a hell of an achievement but in saying that a loss is still a loss so dinwiddie drives Gets a two. Nets it down by six. Then DFS hits a massive clutch three, and it's 124-127. I think it was good defense by Cam Thomas to lead to the DeJounte Murray miss. You know, Cam Johnson finds finds a Dorian Finney-Smith, and it's good to see. You know, he hits clutch threes. He's done that before. His three ball hasn't been falling, but I still trust it. You know, you've got to guard that guy on the perimeter. He's done some great things in postseasons for Dallas, and then... Dorian Finney-Smith becomes the playmaker, I believe, and he kicks it out to the corner for a Cam Johnson three after a sort of scramble to inbounds play leads to Cam Johnson somehow being open. While he wasn't hitting his three ball a heap tonight, Cam Johnson, he is a guy you've got to watch from there, especially when it is the corner because that's the shot that all teams want. So at that point, it's 127 apiece, you know, game's tied, ball's in Trey Young's hands, and Mikael Bridges is, is guarding him. And he guards him relatively well. And then Trey Young's feet turn into Fred Flintstone, gets the floater. Look, this happens. You know, the last two-minute report's going to come out by the time some of you guys listen to this. And if it doesn't indicate that Trey Young traveled on that play, I would be incredibly surprised. It's it, it, it sucks because the Nets played so poorly and Nick recapped that game somehow. I don't know how he did. And they bounce back with, you know, they, the Nets started the game incredibly poorly. You know, 57 to, to 64 at the 
at the half, and they go down by as much as 18, I believe, in, in the third quarter, and they, they claw them themselves back. Yeah, the, their largest lead for the Hawks was 18, so the Nets were able to really get that back, and they got that back from just playing some decent defense, because the defense was really inconsistent, especially in the first half. The Nets weren't hitting their three ball at all. I think I got a stat for that. Let me just quickly find it. Um, I can't remember. No, they shot 2 of 11 to end the first quarter, so they started okay. I think it was like a 9-6 to six sort of lead, and then it just sort of fell off a cliff. You know, Cam Johnson had 12 points in the first quarter. Uh, Mikhail Bridges had 9 as well, and there was just three-point struggles you know, in general. Uh, and then, you know, to start the sort of second, you know, the Hawks go on a little bit of a run. They extend it to double digits to around 13. Then Cam Thomas in, in the second goes on a little mini. I think it was a 7-0 run, and the Nets bring back the lead to sort of 12 points. There was weird lineups. I think Jacques Vaughn is finding decent combinations. I think he's still trying to find the chemistry. I still think the players are trying to find their own chemistry. You know, Joe Harris, we can have that discussion in a little bit. But, you know, they're going on an 11-1 run. And they cut the lead down to seven. And then DFS has this massive putback, which was challenged, a good challenge by Jacques Vaughn because it initially was called as uh, offensive interference. The Nets cut it down to 57-62. And, oh, here we go. Got the stat here, guys. So the Nets started two of 16 from deep. And they finished 14 of 39. So that means they go 12 of 23 or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, in the second half. So over 50%. So it's... the. The Nets right now are incredibly offensively three-point reliant team in generating those looks and hitting those looks. You know, Royce O'Neal, I think, hit something like three straight in that in the third period. So, yeah, I think the Nets are able to take the lead in that third period as well, something like 72 to 71. I think they, they clawed it back. So, look, that's the sort of game notes that I got, guys. Well, I'll, I'll get into some of the players right after this break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, the players. Let's just jump straight into it. I think Cam Johnson was the Nets' best player tonight. 36 minutes for him. 10 of 15 from the field. 3 of 8 from 3. 4 of 4 from the free throw line. 3 boards, assists, 2 steals. Also had a block. Was minus 9 on the night, but did have 27 points. He showed 3-level scoring tonight, guys. And the handle is something that is incredibly impressive. You know, his mid-range game is something that I'm, I'm very impressed by. He's obviously improving defensively. This is a guy you've got to play extended minutes. And I think the rotation overall, the minutes allocation, I think was pretty solid from Jacques Vaughn. Interesting not to see Nick Claxton out there for certain periods. I'm guessing prioritizing spacing over everything. But I thought Clax's impact was still 
massive a near double double for him but I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit but cam johnson the twins brooklyn bridges those guys are the building blocks of this team going forward throwing cam throwing clacks those guys just need to be prioritized in terms of what they can do for this team and cam johnson i think i said on the on the, the all-star break pod that he's just got a lot of untapped things that i just don't know what he can be and i said that in a positive fashion so i'm really intrigued to see what cam johnson can become mikhail bridges 38 minutes for him tonight, guys. 8 of 16 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Did hit 6 of 6 on the free throw line. Had 5 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, plus 7 on the night for his 24 points. He is a dynamo on both ends of the floor. His shot making can be inconsistent at times, but, you know, him taking 16 shots, Cam Johnson taking 15 shots, 16 for Spencer Dilney. You know, I'll get to Spencer in a little bit. He really played some heavy minutes tonight. Massive reliance on him, but I think Mikhail was really positive tonight you're, you're getting 24 5 uh, 3 2 and 2 filling it up doing it on both ends of the floor the only thing that probably was a little bit lackluster was that three-point shooting but then two of six is slightly below average and he's been relatively consistent from there so brooklyn bridge is continuing to do his thing want to see that three-point celebration a little bit more going forward but spencer dimity tonight guys was a tale of two halves or a tale of two mentalities 41 minutes for him 7 to 16 from the field 2 to 7 from 3 4 to 4 from the free throw line 8 assists he's always a really positive facilitator 4 rebounds did have 4 turnovers though was plus 7 for his 20 points and his game once he attacks the rim it just opens up so much for him personally and for everywhere else like yeah the step backs the side steps he's he's got some fluidity to that but those are settling shots for Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, I need to see him aggressive. When he's aggressive and attacking the rim, you know, he's dunking on bloody centers and he's getting free throws. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie should be aiming to get five, six free throws a game at minimum. And tonight, we saw that at periods and we didn't see that at other periods. And look, this is basically what you want from a sort of Spencer Dinwiddie sort of performance. You know, do enough facilitation. It's when he gets those blinkers on. You know, sometimes he can... And sometimes the pass can be a little bit errant. Him and Klax's chemistry isn't necessarily right there just yet, but I think that'll take a little bit of time sort of remind you of Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, DeAndre Jordan back in the day. But in saying that, a fine enough game from Spencer Dinwiddie, but it could have been better, especially with his efficiency and shot selection. I get into Dorian Finney-Smith, guys. 32 minutes for him, 5 of 10 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. His 3-ball hasn't necessarily been there. You know, He's hit some, he's hit others. But as I alluded to, I still trust the shot. I think the percentages will come around. His rebounding is something that's really, really important. I mentioned that put-back dunk. Eight boards for him, including two of them offensive. Three assists, two steals, a plus 15 on the night. Led the team in that fashion for 12 points. So I think the minutes allocation between him and Royce O'Neal is just one thing that I'm just going to keep watching. You know, Are they going to ride DFS when some of his offensive limitations, when it's sort of like DFS gives you the defense, the th sort of 3 and D, you combine him and Royce, you've got the perfect sort of 3 and D player because Royce's three ball was on tonight. DFS wasn't to, well, he, obviously the clutch one was, but you know, Royce O'Neal's, I think, defense can leave a lot to be desired especially point of attack and, and against those guards but dfs i think is a bit more well-rounded and a, a greater positional defender even one to four and sometimes five because he was playing a lot of small ball five tonight because we didn't see any day on sharp either so but in saying that another 
pretty consistent game from DFS. Wanting his rebounding is is something that's continued to be a positive, and it can continue to impact the game. And he's always a really stalwart defender. So, Gennady Claxton, guys, thirty minutes for him tonight. And we've heard Jacques Vaughn say before. The management of these guys is going to be something to keep an eye on. Like, what is the rotation? What is Nick Claxton's minutes? His, his minutes burden. And the fact that the Nets didn't acquire a backup center is derelict in Sean Marks's duties. You know, I get that the, the Kevin Durant thing, dominated Kyrie Irving, all that sort of stuff. But Nick Claxton can be incredibly impactful for long, sustained periods. Look, 30 minutes, 2 or 4 from the field, 4 or 6 from the free throw line. Good to see that him hitting those free throws. 11 boards, including 2 offensive. Did have 4 steals and 3 blocks, uh, as well as uh, 8 points to go with the assist as well. Clax is just a beast, man. And you got to find a way. I don't know whether Jacques knows more than we do, and maybe he does, and that's why he's playing 30, only like 30 minutes. Clax is going to be playing 33 that's just the number that I sort of want to want for him going forward. And you sort of throw some Yuta Watanabe at the center and, and use him as your backup center along with DFS and just the sort of switching. Obviously, the amount of wings you can do, you can sort of be a bit more switchable and a bit more versatile with who plays the five there. And Clint Capella and Onyeko Okongwu are good enough, but they're not really going to punish you. They're not Nicole Jokic or Joel Embiid. So it's tough because the way the roster is constructed almost works against Nick Claxton, but he's continuing to impact in a massive way. His block on Trey Young's drive, his blocking and timing on it is just the defensive instincts he has. Look, there's been a lot of good defensive players this year. I, I, I firmly believe that Nick Claxton belongs in the top three, top two defensive player of the year conversation. And a lot of people have taken him off those conversations because KD and, and Kyrie have gone and the Nets don't have the attention anymore. You watch Nets games, you see how impactful Nick Claxton is defensively and offensively as well. I think he's really improved as a screener and the confidence with just moving the ball, having the ball in his hands. So what more minutes of Clax within reason? He can be just maybe the Nets' most impactful player with how incredible he is defensively in a similar way to Mikael Bridges. And yeah, get that man some DPOY love. All the national media needs to pay attention. But uh, after the break, guys, I'll get to some more player chatter and recapping the game and some of the stats. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, guys, getting into the bench, let's start with Cam Thomas. 29 minutes, 6 of 14 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, 9 and 9 from the free throw line. I love that. Two boards, three assists, also had two steals, only the two turners for 22 points. Now, Cam giveth and Cam taketh away. Cam Thomas is an abject, pretty bad defender. I did mention a, a good defensive isolation play he had earlier in the game. Some of his shot selection is still a work in progress, but 
talent and skill the kid has in space and he i've said this time and time again. i think he went like an 11 point run in the uh, he had an 11 point third quarter i believe it was where the nets really needed some some offense and that guy can just do it he can generate it and i think the three-point shooting the free throw the not to be analytically all dominant but if he gets to the free throw line it just puts a heap of pressure on opposing guys and him and Spencer that should be a real focus for them I think Cam's three-point shot is certainly a work in progress the mechanics and fluidity are okay I think the way he's his feet he's more of a jumper than a, a vertical jumper than a sort of jump a little jump forward like you see in Joe Harris and, and some other guys but in, in in saying that you know better assist numbers as well i think he's continuing to grow continuing to flourish give all of his seth curry minutes to cam thomas i think that's just a priority going forward like let's develop this kid let's give him the opportunities to to continue to grow as a player and there's a lot of talent and a lot of untapped potential there let's keep watching cam grow because i think he's cam and cam johnson cj so maybe if i i need to follow the rules that cam mentioned uh, during that brooklyn uh, behind the scenes episode but getting to Royce O'Neal guys 4-7 from the field all of those threes did have four rebounds as well look I think it's uh, the effectiveness of Royce O'Neal is his defense and his three-point shooting and the defense is probably like his three-point shooting he's just been inconsistent when he is hot he is hot like he's a, he can and he's got great fluidity and I think he lifts the team as well like he's just a, a, a real energy sort of guy when in two-way play and adjusting to this bench role for him is is again still a little bit of a work in progress but he continues to be a really positive player so Royce O'Neal continuing to dominate love what he's doing as a bench player but again improvements can be made for him Joe Harris and Seth Curry guys look Seth was good against the Bulls the other day in a meaningless matchup, but in a game that mattered, him and Joe just weren't there. Between them, they were one of five from the field. Joe went 0 of 3 from from three-point land. Seth hit the one field goal. I had one assist. Both Joe Harris was minus seven. Seth Curry was minus nine. Look, these guys aren't affecting the team in, in very big ways, and there was lineups where I'm like, Seth Curry and Cam Thomas, like, get that out, get that out of here. Joe Harris, look... I think Utah and Edmund Sumner deserve minutes over these guys. Like if, you know, Jacques Vaughn said he's going to be a 9-10 man rotation. I don't know what Edmund Sumner and Utah Watsonabe have done to be relegated from the rotation. You know, Utah Watsonabe might be somewhat streaky as a three-point shooter, but the stats certainly don't outlie that. You know, yeah, he has his limitations, as does Edmund Sumner, but I think both of those guys provide a point of difference. And I think Utah's energy and just personality give something to the team Edmund Sumner I think is similar to a Spencer Dinwiddie but I think might be a high level defensive player where the Nets have struggled a little bit especially of late and we'll get to some of those quotes but yeah look it's it's something to keep an eye on with, with Seth and Joe I'm not you know they could have a good game you know coming up and and I'll I'll eat all my words but as we currently stand Joe and Seth not making the impact when it matters I guess that's probably the best way to put it but in terms of team stats, guys, you know, Nets shoot nearly 50% from the field. You know, I mentioned the three-point shooting a little bit earlier. They got to the free-throw line a lot, hit 27 of 29. You know, Clax was the only one to, to miss some free-throws. So th- I think those are the, the the big indicators. But, you know, points in the paint, you know, fast break points, 26 to 8. That's going to be a big part of their identity. And I think 
that's where the defense feeds the offense. And because the defense was so poor in the first half, I'd be guessing a lot of those points did come on uh, in the second half. So something to just the, the defense in general, because look, we we heard from Cam Johnson uh, as well as a Jacques Vaughn in relation to the defense. And, and I'll, I'll touch on it because I think it is worth, it, it's an adjustment for, for everyone involved. You know, this is a, a lot of new players in the rotation and a lot of adjustments and the defensive principles that the Nets do have, you know, big sort of switching team. You know, it's adjustments from guys coming from Phoenix, guys coming from Dallas. So this is what Jacques Vaughn said. He said that Bridges, Johnson, Dinwiddie, and Finney Smith are getting used to Nets defensive terminologies on switches. Said that there are growing pains on that end as there will be on offense. Uh, the Nets have given up 30 plus points in seven of their last eight quarters. You know, that that's... It, it's somewhat worrying, and the only time that they didn't was in the second period where they gave up 27. So uh, today against the Hawks, so I think we've sort of seen earlier in the season where, how the net switch. And for those that haven't seen, I think it was it was someone on YouTube provided a really good explainer. And it's basically if the nets if there is contact made on a screen, a switch is made. If there isn't contact made, then you know the, the switch isn't made you, you you stay with your guy on on ice when you're isolated on him so and then there's soft switches and, and all these different sort of things but it's i think that you know we also heard from cam johnson i think it's worth sort of bringing him what he said he said brooklyn's defense has been the hardest adjustment since the trade he said not to make any excuses but for four years i've had a coach staff who was very adamant on certain defensive principles and after day after day working on them they're getting great in your head so some of the principles we have here in brooklyn are almost the complete opposite which is interesting you know the fact that they can be completely different for what's happening in monty williams and phoenix to what's happening now he also said, once we kind of iron out those instances where you're reacting a quarter or a second later, I think our defense will be a lot sharper. There's a couple of rotations that I know personally over the last five games that I've missed just because I'm caught in the middle ground where my mind is reverting back to old habits. So I'm guessing there's some drops, some shading sort of habits, you know, different sort of things where the Nets have very quality man defenders and isolation defenders, but the team principles over the last two games have been, you know, very, very poor. You know, they've for the third time in four games, the Nets have allowed 120 points. You know, it's the the individual defense from you know Bridges and Clacks and these guys has been very very positive. But the in terms of just what's happening on screens and what's happening on switches in terms of the timings of them, Cam Johnson alluded to it. There just needs to be they just need to be better because they have a lot of talent here. And how long that adjustment takes is is something to keep an eye on. You know, I, I just hope that you know just they figure it out. If the Nets can figure out their defense and just... Be, we saw some great periods in that Philadelphia 76ers game. So, look, it's it's something to watch, guys. I'm not worried, you know, hugely about it, but I think the Nets have been... Let me find the stat. They've been one of the worst defenses, if not the worst defense, since the trade. Let me just try and find it. Yeah, so entering the game today, I don't think this will change after giving up a, another massive scoring margin... The Nets were dead last in defense since KD and Kyrie uh, left. So they need to figure some stuff out. And that's not something that should be happening. And Nick and I said it on our episode, can the Nets be the best defense going around? Well, the Nets have a lot of quality defenders. It's about putting it all together. Defen- defense isn't played by one guy. You know, the Nets have Nick Claxton and Mikael Bridges. That should make you a top five defense automatically. They need to figure it out. That's on the coaches. That's on the players in the buy-in and the execution in both ends. But look, another loss, guys. Where are the Nets in the standings right now? They might have dropped so they would know that they were fifth 
uh, before the t- today's game. And the, the Knicks were hot on their heels after going on a bit of a winning streak. The Nets currently stand at fifth. So look, the, 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 the Knicks, the Heat are coming. Can they k- kick around in that sort of sixth position so they avoid the play-in? We'll have to wait and see. Nick and I have discussed the the schedule and stuff on previous pods. Check out that evergreen content. And thank you as always for listening. Nets World, baby.